4, beginning in verse 21, we read, He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Let us pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we bow in your presence. We ask, O oh God, that a fresh move of the Spirit of God would fall upon each and every one of us. Heavenly Father, have your way. Do what you do in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. I also just want to thank the Lord for Pastor Haman. Amen, amen, amen. He is uh, cut from the same cloth as I. He is a lover of the people of God, a lover of the word of God, a lover of his beautiful wife and family, a great role model. And he is just an excellent Joshua. Whatever Joshua was to Moses, that's what Pastor Haman has been to me. And I just want to thank you for that. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. In John chapter 9, you don't have to turn there. Jesus was asked a question by his disciples when they noticed a man who was blind from birth. They asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus responded by saying, neither this man nor his parents have sinned but that the work of God may be displayed, may be manifested. God's about to do something. The interesting thing that we learn from John chapter 20 in terms of explaining why God would do the kinds of somethings through Christ and by way of miracles, the Bible says these and many other miracles Jesus performed as signs that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that believing in him, we might come into a saving knowledge of him. So there were many miracles that Jesus performed, but every miracle that he did was for the purpose to demonstrate that he, in fact, was Messiah and God's eternal Son. Now, as powerful as that is, this particular miracle in John chapter 9 that kind of sets a stage for what we're going to look at in the book of Joshua. This man was born blind from birth, and Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he proved that he was the light of the world, but not just the light that brings the sun through creation, but the light that can even give sight to those who are born blind. And so Jesus spits on the ground. He tells the man with the clay that he makes through the spit and puts on his eyes, says, and he tells him where to go. And as he is obeying the command from a person that he doesn't even know who's giving the command, the Bible says that his sight became, began to be restored, or he began to have sight. It wasn't restored because he never had it. So as great as that miracle was, if the man had not testified about who did it, no one would have known that Jesus was the one who did it. And so as neighbors and friends took notice of this man that they would see begging for 38 years, now seeing, they asked, how did this happen? And who did this? It became so well known in terms of how people were talking about it that even the religious leaders decided 
to do an investigation. How did this happen? In fact, it couldn't and shouldn't have happened because this is on the Sabbath day. We don't do this kind of stuff on the Sabbath day. And so they asked the man, who healed you? He said, I don't even know. What kind of person was he? He must have been a prophet. He said, no, he's a sinner. And then the man said, well, I'm not a Bible theologian or a scholar, but didn't the Bible say that no man, we know that God heareth not sinners, but he that doeth the will of God, him he hears. So how could he do it if he's a sinner to do what only God can do? So I don't know. And then they said, they said well, you're you making this up. Tell us more about him. She said, he said, well, do you want to become his disciple? And he said, here, here, here's all I know. I was blind. But now, I see. That was the end of the conversation. He gave his testimony. I want you to know that every Christian ought to have, I once was blind, but now I see testimony. You ought to be able to reflect on that time when you were lost in sin, separated from God, destined to eternity in a place the Bible says that God prepared for the devil and his angels. But the one who loved us came into the world, and the Bible says that the Spirit himself worked on our hearts in such a way that we had no other choice but to say yes to the one who died for us. I'm so glad I once was lost, but now I'm found. But that's not the end of the story. The good news is that the Lord allows circumstances such as bridging the gap in 31 days to become a, a new opportunity for us to have a brand new testimony to tell the world who Jesus is and how good God is. We have a new opportunity to celebrate uh, I need uh, one of these, please. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, to celebrate the power of God at work. Somebody say amen. amen. And I, I don't know about you, but I want to have my own testimony. I don't want to be the only one sitting in the audience that can't can't raise their hand. Let me tell you how God worked in my heart during this Bridging the Gap campaign. Now, God ain't going to tell everybody to do the same thing. You know, some of us will pray. Some of us will make the sacrifice of pushing our plate away. Oh, God, that may be more than $100,000 for some of us. Some of us may be able to pick up a telephone and call a friend who will do what we can't do financially because it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. But when it's all over, I'll have a testimony. What about you? In Joshua chapter 4, verses 21 through 22, I've just read in your hearing, and the, verse, the part of the verse that I want you to uh, focus on is in verse 21, actually verse 22, where he says, tell them, tell them, say tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry land. Tell your children your testimony. When they ask you, what do these stones these memorials, these remembrances represent, what do they symbolize? Tell them that this is our testimony, that God, God did a new thing, and he led us through the Jordan River. Somebody say, I got a testimony. Amen. Amen. Now, I want to share with you some things that a real testimony includes. And I'll state it this way. A testimony simply is remembering something God has done for you or others. Sometimes it's what you observe God doing for somebody else. And you can testify because you saw it. 
you, you can't figure it out. <laughs> you scratching your head, but you were right there when it happened. And so it's simply remembering something God has done for you or for others that you publicly declare to give God the glory and the honor that he's due. So you witnessed this, you experienced it, and you reflect on it, what happened, because it took place in the past. And so whenever you get an opportunity to tell somebody about what God did, you do it publicly, and we call that a testimony. Do you have a testimony? Had God done something for you? Are you willing to stand and bear witness? Now, to have a testimony that honors God, there's certain things that need to be true. You must go through a test to have a testimony. You got to go through something to have something to say about how God brought you through. That's our problem. We want a testimony, but the testimony can't be really a, a way of honoring and giving and glory to God if you've, never been go, if you've never gone through anything. And so the Bible says, when the whole nation, in verse 1, had finished crossing the Jordan, that was their test. They finished crossing. They finished the test. They got to the other side. Remember the Lord told Joshua to tell the priests who were bearing the ark to take the ark and the people weren't supposed to move until the symbol of the presence of God, which was the ark of the covenant, moved before them. And when the priests got to the Jordan at its overflowing season, its lowest level uh, uh, in terms of the depth of the Jordan was 50 feet. And he told the, the, the priest, he said, all I want you to do, here's what God is telling you to do, is let your feet touch the Jordan. Now, if they had just stopped at touching the Jordan with their feet, that might have been a good testimony because we did that. But the victory came when they obeyed God by operating in faith. The Bible says God didn't part the Jordan like he did the Red Sea. I told you he caused a canopy to form on the north side. And the waters just went straight up in the air. And he, he, God caused the water to defy gravity. It went up, but it didn't come down. And then God on the south side decided to dam the water up. He became a supernatural natural dam so that the water couldn't flow through. And so that the people not only walked through, but the ground that they walked through, there was no mud. Nobody got stuck in the mud. It was dry ground. He didn't do it the way he did it for Moses because God wanted to give them a new testimony. Somebody will need a new testimony. I'm glad when you can talk about what God did for you 15 years ago. But what has God done for you yesterday? What has God for you, done for you last week? And so the Bible says, when they had finished crossing, the Lord said to Joshua, so God, Joshua called together the uh, uh, 12 men he had appointed from the from, the, from Israel, or from the Israelites, on each tribe. He said, go over before the ark of the Lord God, before the ark of the, uh, ark of the Lord God, in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take a, up a stone on his shoulder. This is a big stone. I had some stones. I actually had somebody bring some stones. I said, nah, I ain't going to trust these folks with no stone. <laughs> I don't know how everybody get along. If you want a stone, I got at least 12. You can grab one on the way out. <laughs> so he said, grab a stone, each of you, to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you. Something to remember, a memorial of what God has done in the, in the future when your children ask of you, what do these stones mean? So watch the sequence here. Watch the sequence. Here's the first thing. You must cross over your Jordan, pass the test, before you can testify of how God brought you through. You must pass the test. You've got to cross over the Jordan before you can talk about what God did to give you victory. Somebody say, and they had to cross over. And then they could tell their children, this is what these stones represented. We crossed over. We crossed over. Your testimony is birthed from the struggle of your test that God gives you victory over. 
The problem with some of us is that we don't have a fresh testimony because we're always looking for the easy way out. We don't want to go through nothing. We just want to really, the Bible says we're in the world, but not to be of the world. But that ain't so, it, to, to, to distinguish ourselves from the world that we are in, the Bible says that we cannot be conformed, but we need to be transformed. That means that you have to put to death the flesh. We have to deny our, our, our worldly desires, and when we deny our worldly, when we are denying our worldly desires, we are going through a test that God will use to become our testimony. We don't want to give up our worldly desires, so we don't have a testimony about what God has done to give us victory. We spend so much time complaining and looking for the easy road that God can't take us over. We're facing our Jordan. There are things, when, bad, when, when difficulties come in your relationships and you're going through and you don't understand, I knew that when we started this campaign, that all kind, every other day I'm getting a call, one of my children's in the hospital, uh, 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 got a call the other day, the, my wife called me, the, the, the sink was running over all over the place and got a plumber to come out and the plumber said, uh, $2,500, and we had to cover it through artesian, and artesian said, we ain't touching it because the people that put it in, put it in wrong. I'm trying to be sacrificial. I'm going to give to the building. God's we're going to test me here. I got to pay $2,500, and I'm still trying to do what I believe God put on my heart to do. And I called Brother Deacon, somebody in the church, not going to identify anybody. They came over, looked at our problem, and said, no charge. No charge. But whenever God is preparing you for something great, you can expect a test. Jesus said it. Be not surprised when you encounter with that you will have trials and you will have tribulations. We are going to go through. But you can't have a testimony if you don't go through. You can't celebrate what you haven't experienced. You can, you can join somebody else's party, and, and, but you don't even know them. You just heard the music. And here you are. You just, I mean, you just, you just in the flow and eating all the food. And then somebody finally comes and says, by the way, are you related to the groom? Are you related to the bride? Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. And so sometimes we end up with fake praise. We're in the church, and we're raising our hand, and we get to shout. People get to look at us, and it seems like everything, God is moving in our life, and there's a fresh Holy Spirit anointing. There ain't nothing happening to you. You're just joining the party that somebody else legitimately is celebrating. I want you to know that on the other side of your test is your blessing. On the other side, the Bible said after Jesus had fasted for 40 days and he was hungry and he was tempted by the devil on three different levels of temptation, it was finally when Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, that the angels were released to minister to him. The, 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 the angels are ready to release your blessing. The problem is you keep bowing down to Satan. You keep refusing to go through your Jordan. You keep refusing to pass the test. When Jesus passed the test, the angels ministered to him. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I know that God has some angels ready to minister to you. I know that if you, if you successfully obey the Holy Spirit by surrendering on the other side of your test, on the other side of your test is your testimony. You must surrender to the test or you will remain separated from God's best. James said, consider it all joy when you encounter, not if you encounter. When you go through trials for the testing of your faith, teach you how to persevere, teach you how to wait on God. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be mature and lacking in nothing. God is trying to grow you up through your test. You're trying to figure out a way out. You're trying to figure out why me and crying and complaining. And God says, it, this ain't the devil. This is me showing you where you are spiritually. You thought you were all of that. 
But as soon as the fire got turned up a little bit, you didn't say, thank you, Jesus. You said, I'll kick your... And you realize that you thought that that area in your life was tame. So the test exposed where you need to grow. I ain't the only one to get tested. Here's what's interesting about this experience with the nation of Israel. You will face the same test until you, until you obediently surrender to, to what God, to, uh, until you surrender obediently to experience victory. God is not going to change the test because, oh, man, I don't think I want to go through that one. Oh, no, no, I'll just move to another city. I'll just quit this job. I'll just break up this relationship and get me somebody else. I'll just change my Facebook profile. You know, I'll show my youngest better self. But 40 years after the nation of Israel was at a place called Kadesh, Kadesh Barnea, they were on the very brink of a promised land. They could almost smell the fruit. They could almost see the places where God had said he was, uh, was giving to them. And Moses sent out 12 spies. You remember the story in Numbers chapter 13. Ten of the spies came back, and they gave a negative report. Now, here was the test. Will we believe what God has said or what we see with our eyes? Ten of them believed what they saw and rejected by fear what God said. Forty years later, guess what Joshua does? Choose 12 spies. I want you to know the test may look different, but it's the same. People may change their appearance. You went to a different job, and you wonder why, why they don't like me here. Why am I going through the same thing there? Because you never passed the test when you were in the wilderness 40 years ago. you just been running, and God said, I don't change the test, and I don't grade on a scale. And so here we are with 12 leaders being directed by the Holy Spirit through Joshua to get 12 stones. There's some significance in that. God is not going, you, you can marry 50 people and you'll be divorced 50 times and you say, boy, they had problems. How do you marry 50 times and they got problems? You just failed the test. How many of you know that there are things that are in your life right now that you faced 10 years ago and you still don't have victory? And you, 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 you know, the interesting thing is, like, you're still shocked. Like, why am I going through this? Because you never learned. <laughs> you never submitted. I want you to understand that there's victory when we submit. There is elevation in our spiritual walk with the Lord. He gives us supernatural anointing to deal with whatever we're going through because the Bible says there has no temptation, there has no test that has taken you, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. But with every test, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know how big that obstacle seems. But with every test, God said, I will make a way for you to escape. Have you found that door? I will open doors that no man can shut. I can shut doors. People chasing after you, trying to get your job, trying to steal your wife, trying to steal your husband, trying to steal. Oh, God said, I will shut doors that no man can open. One of the blessings about the fact that you must go through something to have a testimony, you have to go through a test, is the third thing is that you will overcome, the, you will overcome fear of the future when you're past, when you pass present test, you will overcome the fear of what's going to happen to you when you pass the test that you're going through right now. The Bible says they try in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much so as to shrink from death, shrink from death. And here's the thing, they overcame through the blood of the lamb. That's past since they got saved. 
And, the, and, and, and salvation is not only something that delivers us from sin in the past, but it has present, progressive, and ultimately future implications. That is, they are still, we still benefit from the blood of the Lamb every single day. The Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another every single day. I am benefiting from the blood, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ because I'm saved and I'm being saved. And one day I'll be saved from the very presence and the power and the guilt of sin. And so the Bible says that they, were, that they, that they triumphed because of what happened to them in the past and they testified of those benefits. They said it was, they, they, and by the word of their testimony, when you think about how good God is to you, and you keep talking about it, all of a sudden, you aren't even afraid. They said they weren't even afraid to die. And so when you overcome whatever God is testing you with today, no matter what comes in the future, you will be prepared for it. Because the benefits of what happened to you in the past, that you are testifying to those in the present of the goodness of God, that even death will not spook you. Somebody say amen. They defeated Satan by the testimony about the past and continuous benefits of the blood of the Lamb. Do you testify of the goodness of God whenever you get an opportunity to? Now, I don't want you telling nobody any lies. Now, if God hasn't been good, just be quiet. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're, 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 and you're lying self for self because you, you're lying, but I don't want you to say something that you don't believe, but the fact that you're breathing right now, the fact that your ears are working, that you have eyes to see in a mind that they can tell you that you're lying, that ought to let you know that God is still yet good. Aren't you glad? The Bible says that his mercies are new. How many? Every day. God is good. I got a testimony. Now, you need to be very careful that the devil today tells Christians that it doesn't matter how you live. Because it's hard today to tell the difference between a saved person and a sinner who's going to bust hell wide open. And I don't say that facetiously or sarcastically because I just heard uh, the comedian say that he went to hell and back. No, you didn't, bro. Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, no, you didn't. You just got a taste. Because the fact that you're still here tell me you ain't been there because hell is eternal. You don't get a second chance. But what the devil wants to do, he wants to attack our families, our marriages, our children. Because the, the scripture says, Jesus speaking, said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its purpose, its flavor, if you lose your testimony, you are good for nothing but to be trotted under for you. So I haven't lost my testimony. Sounds like Samson kept playing with sin kept playing with sin, kept touring with the world. And then one day he woke up, and the Bible said he did not know that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. And the first thing that the devil did was put Samson's eyes out. How interesting is that? Because the first words that came out of Samson's mouth, when you read about them in the Scripture, is, I saw a woman. That's the first thing he said. And the first thing the devil said, you won't see no more. Don't allow the devil to destroy your testimony. Somebody is watching you. You may be, the Bible says we are written epistles being read by men every day. You, the only Bible that many people are ever going to read is your life. What is your life saying about Jesus? What is your life saying about the difference that Christ made? I know that the Bible says if anyone be in Christ. I know the Bible says you shall know them by their what? By their fruit. There ought to be evidence that you know Jesus. Oh, oh, are you testifying? You can't have a testimony without a test. And you really can't give a, a true testimony until you, you got to pass the test. 
Because if you don't, you won't cross over. You just be looking at everybody else. You standing at the at the brink of the Jordan, and everybody waving at you, and, and you know, and you standing there. Oh, I might come. I, I'll think about it. You, I'm not saying you aren't saved. You just never get over to the promise. You never experienced the, you, Jesus. I've come to give you life, and to give you life more. Ab- you, you've not experienced the abundant life because you're still standing on the shore. I might get wet. It, the water might come down. Why well, I gotta walk? Everybody else seemed to be able to get over some kind of way, but I don't feel like I want to go like they did. Okay, if you don't go through obedience, you're not getting to the other side. Here's the second thing. You may have to return to the place that God has delivered you from to share your testimony. Oh, watch this. It says, tell them, the 12, to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from, the right, right, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with them and put them down at the place where we will stay tonight. Now, watch this. The people have already crossed over. They're on the other side. But the priests are in the middle of the Jordan still holding the Ark of the Covenant. So Joshua says, the 12, you got to go back to the place where God has delivered you from to get the, the, the stones that will be your testimony to bring to the other side. Isn't that interesting? That God will take us back to the place he delivered us from so that we can testify of his glory. They had to go back into the Jordan and get the stones and then come back out of the Jordan and place the stones where they were staying that night. Now, what does God want us to do when we deliver it? He wants us to take something from, the, from our past that he has delivered us from. Paul was delivered from religious self-righteousness. That was his stone. What stone can you look back on and, and, and not? You don't have to wonder. I look back. My soul looks back. You don't have to wonder how you got over. <laughs> what was that area in your life that you got delivered from? Those dudes you used to hang out with and you weren't drinking Pepsi. You weren't vaping. I remember a time we, we, I worked downtown in Philadelphia, and the men would look out the window. They were doing construction. They would watch the women. And we'd be, they would, <coughs> uh, yeah, they would be, yeah, I, I, I like that one. And yeah, like, you know, like, you know how men can be, right? <laughs> Today, men ain't doing that. That's the women. And, 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 and women will say things that men would not say. And so not only did God, the stone that God delivered some of us from, lust, that's not a male problem. That's a human problem. And women were on the down low. They ain't on the down low no more. What's the stone that God delivered you from? Was it anger? Oh, no, not quite, because I still have an explosive temper. It, 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 it was that stone. Forgi- Do you have a hard time forgiving people? And then one day God forgave you of something that you knew you should have gone to jail for. You knew that you should have been done, but God said, I'm going to extend mercy to you. Did God deliver you from a spirit of selfishness or fear or doubt? I, I don't know what your stone was, but whatever that stone was, Harry and Bill and Sister Rokisha, uh, they remember. And what the Lord does, he delivers us from whatever did not dominated us. He saves us and changes us. And then he says, but when the Holy Ghost comes, you shall be my witnesses. You're going to go back where you came from, and you're going to tell them about the goodness of the Lord. He sent them back. We ought to take some. You should never be so saved that you don't know what God delivered you from. But for the grace of God, I am a 
sinner saved by the grace of God. And if I got what I deserve, God saved me. Oh, I wasn't searching and seeking God. I was searching and seeking women. Oh, God. In the church. And they liked it until I started getting acting like I was saved, and I started talking different, and then they didn't like me no more. <laughs> oh, they loved us, that, that, that street ben, version of Benson. Tell somebody from your past or present the stones that, that God delivered you from. God said, I am the God of all comfort. I comfort you. I strengthen you. I delivered you that you might comfort others. We get saved and we act like we never had marital problems. We never had difficulty with our children. We never said anything that we shouldn't have said. Only to find out we got, we got, we got, we got all kinds of charges up against us. God didn't deliver you from that for you to keep it to yourself. People are amazed when I tell them how my wife really is. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> Amen. She go, I'm going to get it. It's my, no, it's my birthday. <laughs> Amen. There are no perfect relationships because there are no perfect people. And if you found the perfect church, don't you join it. Because when you do, you will make it imperfect. <laughs> now, what can happen when we fail to share what God has delivered us from? Oh, you need to mark this in your Bible. Uh, Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it says, After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestor, Joshua's generation, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what the Lord had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods, and the people around them, they arose the anger of God. We have raised up a generation of children who have everything but God. They are, on, they are on all kinds of social media and exposed to things that would make your hair curl if you knew what they really knew. Why do you say that in church? Your child knows more than you know about sex because you ain't taking the time to tell them. We're not raising our children to know God. We're raising them to be materialistic. We're raising them to feel entitled. We're raising them to not love who they are in the Lord. They are determining their value based on what their profile and what their followers say about them. And they are so insecure that many of our children are on psychotropic medications. They are in, they are, are in therapy. The bad news is they ain't getting no better. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, laboreth in vain, unless the Lord keeps watch over the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. We have locked God out. How did we do it? Because you haven't, you haven't given your testimony. He said, tell them. What have you told your children about what Jesus did for you? I ain't talking about your hairstylist and, and what degree you earned and how hard you worked to get it. What has God done for you that only he could do? Have you told that to your children? If you don't tell them about God, they won't know about him. Well, I told them, but you know what? The best lessons are caught rather than taught. Do they see God in your life? If they didn't have a Bible, could they look at your life and see Jesus? The Bible says that we ought to be conformed to the image of Christ. I need to be looking more and more like Jesus as a husband, as a father, as a Christian. Does your life reflect the image of Jesus? 
Jesus says, by this they will know. In spite of all of the miracles, if you don't love one another, if you don't live this thing out, if the testimony is your love one for another, that's how they know I existed. If you don't share your testimony with your children, they will not follow the God of the Bible. They won't. They're not going to get taught. You send your kids away to college, and they teach them to hate God. They force LBGQ down their throats, and we cool with it. God ain't cool with it. And we see the divine consequences all around us, and we just eating and drinking, waiting for the next vacation, and the world is literally burning up in front of us. The flood is, the Lord is going to release not water this time, but divine fire. And we sleep at the well. We playing games on our, on our phones. Oh, it's something creepy to me when I walk into these buildings and see old men and women on their phones. What the world? Stop it! What are you doing? What are you, it, it, it looks nasty to me. Stop it! Can't you look and talk to somebody? Walking into the door and bumping into you. Put your phone down. Go find a Bible somewhere, because I know you're not reading your Bible on the phone. I, deliver, I do not use my phone when I'm walking around. I'm not trying to be on my phone if I can when I'm driving. I want to hear from God. All these voices want to drown out the voice of God. And when you don't hear from God, you won't have a testimony. You will lose a generation if you fail to tell them about God by your testimony. Somebody say amen. 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 Are you still with me? Amen. Amen. A third thing, and we're almost done. You will be prepared to fight future battles based on past victories that give you a testimony. You will be prepared for future battles based on your past testimony. The Bible says in verse 12, it says, Then the men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, ready for battle (laughs) in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed. They were ready to fight based on what God had already done and what they could say about the, uh, the power and the authority and the presence of God, that makes you, I'm ready for you, devil. I'm, I don't care what you try to bring up against me. I can handle this. Why, David said, I've been young. Now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed. Baby. Somebody can testify. Has God been faithful? Because of his, your past victories and your testimony, you can face whatever tomorrow brings. Oh, I like it when in 1 Samuel chapter 17, all of the men of Israel were trembling. David was just bringing cheese and bread, minding his own business. And Goliath got the whoop, sending out wolf tickets, cursing and defiling the name of the God. And David said, who is, 17-year-old David, who is this uncircumcised? Philistine. Then somebody, that's the giant. And, and, and King Saul said, he'll, he'll, he'll make you rich. He'll, 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 he'll uh, exalt and he'll, he'll elevate you. And whoever killed, he said, take me to, king, to the king. And the king said, oh, the young man, I'm so sorry. I'm glad you want to do this. But Goliath has been a warrior from his youth. And you're, brother, you're only a child. You can't do this. And they said, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I've been a shepherd of my father's flock. And there have been times when the flock was attacked by a bear and a lion. And when I saw the bear attack and dragging the sheep away, I didn't run. I chased after the bear, and I took the sheep out of the bear's mouth by snatching the bear's mouth open. He said, then there were times when lions came in and, and grabbed the sheep, got them in their mouth, and he said, I chased after the lion, 
took the sheep out of their mouth and the lion went running. The same God who delivered me from the mouth of the lion and the bear will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. I want you to know your past experiences and testimony that you get from it will enable you to face your present challenges. I can deal with Goliath because God has delivered me for my lion and my bear. I'm, let, let me finish. Let me finish with this. You're, you are disobeying God's word and dishonoring his faithfulness when you, fear, when you refuse to give your testimony. You are dishonoring and disobeying God for his past faithfulness when you don't give your testimony. The scripture says, tell them. It's a command. Take them to church to the past. No, 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 no. Tell your children what God has done. Now, what are we commanded to tell our children? On the one hand, there's a corporate testimony. When we get to this 31 days and God gives us the funds, we're going to say, look what God did for New Direction. Bible fellows at church. I'm going to put that on Facebook. Somebody said, you ought to do a GoFundMe. We ain't doing no GoFundMe. Mm, you don't need to do that. That just gives us a reason not to do what we can do. But we will put on GoFundMe. Look what God did. <laughs> Look what God did. We're going to put on Facebook, all the social. Look what God did for New Direction Bible Fellowship. There's a corporate testimony. Tell your children what God has done, how he delivered us from the Jordan and brought us through. But then there's a personal side of it. When God told me to step, I stepped. When God told me to go through, I went through. When the Lord told me to keep my eye on the Ark of the Covenant, I, that, that's personal. I, I, everybody else may not have gone, but I, I can tell you that I walked through myself. You ought to have a personal testimony of what God will do through you during this test. And when you don't, you're dishonoring God. You just, I don't, you go, oh, and my stylist, and my this, and where I go to get my back, my chiropractor, we give praise and honor everybody else. And all the Lord has to do is blow on us, and we'd be like this. Oh. <laughs> Your stylist, I don't care what they do. Until God straightens that bag out and takes that pain away, it's there. Don't dishonor God by refusing to testify about how he brought you through. What he did for you, he didn't do it for me. My testimony is not your testimony. You don't have to say, well, he, he delivered me out of drugs. Maybe you never did. I didn't do drugs. I did my stuff, but I didn't do that. But what did God deliver you from? What is God delivering you from right now? What are you obeying God to do in the midst of this test right now that you can testify of? Don't dishonor God by being disobedient to give a testimony. Stand up with me. I, I, I've got a testimony. I, 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 do you have a testimony? I got a testimony, church. I got a testimony. I stand before you as a witness of what God can do. I stand before you how God can reach into North Philly and snatch a soul like myself who was running from God. My greatest ambition was to hurt somebody. I wanted to be known for being bad, for being tough, for being a heavy hitter. That's what I wanted to be. My, my family, their, their, their background was prison. I was heading that way. But Jesus, but the Lord stepped in and let me know that I needed him. And I said, yes, I stand before you as a, as a witness of what God can do. Many years, I sat in commencement exercises, and I would listen to names that were called for academic accomplishments, for participating in social groups and athletics and getting letters of accommodation for playing for mul multiple sports. I listened to names of people who got fully paid college uh, 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 scholarships. And I would say each year, my turn next year. My turn. I ain't going to mention my name. I think I went through 12 years of, I'm getting there. It's going to be my turn. Something different happened to me 
1972, I gave my life to Jesus. By the time I got to the end of my studies at Cheney University, I graduated with highest honors. And I was chosen to be one of the speakers for the commencement exercise. But here's where it gets tricky. I had no idea what to say. God waited until 4 o'clock the morning of the graduation to give me a passage from Jeremiah 8, verse 20. The harvest is finished, but yet we're not saved. That was my message. But the real message was until you recognize that the reason you have this opportunity to stand before thousands of people is because what I did in 1972. I saved you. I got a chance to stand before thousands of people and say, yet you are not saved. You graduated. You've got degrees. You've got monetary accomplishments. But if you don't know Jesus, you are yet in darkness and you need to come to the light. God gave me that opportunity. My experiences became my testimony. And even my atheist ethics teacher walked up to me as he said, your word shook me, son. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When, when, when you testify for the Lord, what he's done for you, I, I once was blind. But now I see. Is that your testimony? Are you going to be able to testify when we get to this last day on the 30th? Here's my testimony, what I trusted God to do. It might not, might not have been much compared to what other. I don't even know what others do. It doesn't even matter. God's not counting. The woman who had two mites, he stopped everything, stopped the music. This woman gave more than they all had given. They gave large amounts, but she gave everything she could give. And we still read about her because she trusted the Lord. And we read, what do we read? Her testimony. Sometimes... Your testimony is not in what you say. It's what you do. It's what you do. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you that I have a testimony. And my testimony is not always I followed you right away. Sometimes I followed you fighting and kicking, doubting. Even as I went to the mailbox thinking that my money wasn't there. Opening up the letter that you blessed me with with more than I even asked for. Still complaining, why did it take so long? But I thank you that that's even a part of my testimony. That in spite of me, you blessed me, oh God. And I want to tell the world that you are still in the blessing business. Somebody say he blesses. Oh, do you believe he blesses? Oh, why don't you just just lift your hands up with me right now. We're going to have an invitation, but I want you to pray, pray the prayer of of Jacob. He said, Lord, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. So he said, bless me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Bless somebody, say it like you mean it. Bless me, Lord. I receive that. Say, I receive the blessing. God has released it, blessing us with faith. 